December 10th. And now we turn our attention to the reading of the New Testament. And of course, we're in the book of Revelation. Today we'll be reading from chapter 2, verses 1 through 17. This is where it tells us that judgment begins at the house of God. So Jesus deals with the seven churches before he deals with the lost world. These churches illustrate the good and the bad and the ugly in churches everywhere and in every age. If you are looking for a church to join, which of these would you select and why? There was the church at Ephesus. And there is so much good in this church that we're kind of surprised to discover they had left, and not lost, just left their first love. The honeymoon was over. No amount of separation, sacrifice, or service can make up for your lack of love toward the Lord. The word Nicolaitans means conquer the people. Apparently, a group in the church lorded it over the people and promoted a separation of clergy and laity. And then there was the church at Smyrna. The name Smyrna comes from myrrh, which is a bitter herb, a suitable name for a church facing persecution. Would the believers be fearful or faithful? Suffering can enrich us, even if we think we're poor, and what people think is wealth might turn out to be poverty. What difference does it make if people slander you so long as you have the Lord's approval? And then there's the Church of Pergamos. These believers held to the faith even when it might have cost them their lives. They were noble, but they were too tolerant of false doctrine and were in danger of having the Lord declare war on the church. Balaam convinced Israel to compromise with their unbelieving neighbors, disobey the Lord, and indulge in immorality. Being willing to die for the faith is no substitute for living the faith. And uh, that's enough for now. With that, let's begin today's reading in the New Testament. December 10th, Revelation chapter 2, verses 1 through 17. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Ephesus. This is the message from the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven gold lampstands. I know all the things you do. I've seen your hard work and your patient endurance. I know you don't tolerate evil people. You have examined the claims of those who say they are apostles, but are not. You have discovered they are liars. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting. But I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look how far you have fallen from your first love. Turn back to me again and work as you did at first. If you don't, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. But there is this about you that is good. You hate the deeds of the immoral Nicolaitans just as I do. Anyone who is willing to hear should listen to the Spirit and understand what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Everyone who is victorious will eat from the tree of life in the paradise of God. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Smyrna. This is the message from the one who is the first and the last, who died and is alive. I know about your suffering and your poverty, but you are rich. 
I know the slander of those opposing you. They say they are Jews, but they really aren't, because theirs is a synagogue of Satan. Don't be afraid of what you are about to suffer. The devil will throw some of you into prison and put you to the test. You will be persecuted for ten days. Remain faithful even when facing death, and I will give you the crown of life. Anyone who is willing to hear should listen to the Spirit and understand what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Whoever is victorious will not be hurt by the second death. Write this letter to the angel of the church in Pergamum. This is the message from the one who has a sharp two-edged sword. I know that you live in the city where that great throne of Satan is located, and yet you have remained loyal to me. And you refused to deny me, even when Antipas, my faithful witness, was martyred among you by Satan's followers. And yet, I have a few complaints against you. You tolerate some among you who are like Balaam, who showed Balak how to trip up the people of Israel. He taught them to worship idols by eating food offered to idols and by committing sexual sin. In the same way, you have some Nicolaitans among you, people who follow the same teaching and commit the same sins. Repent, or I will come to you suddenly and fight against them with the sword of my mouth. Anyone who is willing to hear should listen to the Spirit and understand what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Everyone who is victorious will eat of the manna that has been hidden away in heaven, and I will give to each one a white stone and on the stone will be engraved a new name that no one knows except the one who receives it. Psalm 129, verses 1 through 8. Israel's afflictions are compared to the plowing of a field. Think for just a moment of what it would feel like to be face down in the dirt while a plow goes down your back. Ouch! How do you handle a situation like that? First, you accept it from the Lord. If the Lord is allowing people to plow your back, it's happening because He has planned a harvest. Just be sure you plant the right kind of seed. If you plant anger and malice, you will not reap the blessings of the Lord. Second, you trust the Lord to help you. In his own time, he will stop the plows and cut the cords so they cannot plow anymore. All their efforts will be useless. And third, when this is going on, you wait for the Lord to judge your enemies. You don't do that yourself. He will put them to shame and make them wither like grass on a sod roof. On the other hand, God's people will hear God's blessing in their ears and have God's blessing in their hands. Plowing times can be productive times. You are more sinful than you ever thought you were, and you are more loved than you ever dreamed you could be. The beauty of that statement is that it doesn't become unrealistic at either end, not the sin end or the grace end. Your sinfulness, which is worse than you think, is paid for at infinite cost. 
And God's valuing you is a free gift of grace that you don't deserve, but He delights to give. That's why He gives. He wants to value you. And so go ahead and let yourself see the fullness of your sin, but with every glimpse, remind yourself of the infinite cost that was paid so that you don't dishonor the beauties of the Lord's sacrifice by holding on to the guilt that he paid to remove. And every time there's the slightest sense, he loves me, he values me, he's taking me into his family. Don't let that produce a big hit. It it won't because you don't deserve any of that. It is a free, blood-bought gift of grace overflowing from the heart of God. You didn't earn it, you didn't constrain it, but he loves to give it. Now, God's disapproval of our imperfections, which are real and daily, is never a contempt for us. His disapproval of things in us is never contempt. So Hebrews 12 speaks of discipline, right? And what are the words used to describe that? For the Lord disciplines the one whom he loves and chastises every son he receives. And Proverbs that's being quoted here is even stronger. The Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. Those things feel separate to most of us, and so we have to reschool ourselves with texts like this. For God's children, even while he is spanking them, even while there is a frown of disapproval on a behavior or an attitude, he never holds them in contempt, he never ceases to love them, he never ceases even to delight in them as his children. So let's dwell on the wonders of grace. Let every sense of unworthiness send you higher into orbit of praise for the infiniteness of the price paid for you. It is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Psalm 129, verses 1 through 8, a song for the ascent to Jerusalem. From my earliest youth, my enemies have persecuted me. Let Israel now say, From my earliest youth, my enemies have persecuted me. But they have never been able to finish me off. My back is covered with cuts, as if a farmer had plowed long furrows. But the Lord is good. He has cut the cords used by the ungodly to bind me. May all who hate Jerusalem be turned back in shameful defeat. May they be as useless as grass on a rooftop, turning yellow when only half-grown, ignored by the harvester, despised by the binder. And may those who pass by refuse to give them this blessing. The Lord's blessings be upon you. We bless you in the Lord's name. Proverbs 29, verses 19 and 20. For a servant, mere words are not enough. Discipline is needed. For the words may be understood, 
but they are not heeded. There is more hope for a fool than for someone who speaks without thinking.